Doug would start talking like Millie. And Millie would start talking like Doug. And then I was like, oh, all right, I'll use that imperfection to make people laugh because, I mean, it was the first take. Like, I improvised that whole thing. Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living podcast, where we are reimagining and redefining what it means to be in midlife, where we are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. You know, every now and again, you meet somebody and you instantly fall in love. (laughs) Well, that is what happened with my guest this week. Um, Her name is Nina Hart. And Nina spends her time as a right-brained, highly sensitive, creative entrepreneur. She's passionate about helping artists and writers find their voice and reclaim the hooligan kid spirit that most people have buried under an adult veneer. Does that sound familiar to you? Do you feel that way sometimes? Don't you want to let out your inner hooligan? So so Nina is a writer. She's a performer. She's a creativity coach. Her first collection of surreal short fiction called Somewhere in a Town You Never Knew Existed Somewhere was selected as a finalist in Forward Review's Indie Fab Book of the Year Awards. Nina was also an original member of the experimental dance troupe Contraband in San Francisco and playing a purple electric bass has recorded and performed with numerous bands. The reason I'm talking to her today is because writing wasn't always her thing. In fact, well, just come along on this little journey with me and uh, I hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, here's Nina Hart. Let's go. Hi, Nina. It's so nice to have you with me today. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Yvonne. I'm just honored to be here. Oh my gosh. It's totally you. my honor. I'm and I have to thank Miss Dina Bakowitz for introducing yes. us. I'm just so glad she introduced us because she was spot on in seeing that your story is gonna be so relevant to what I'm talking about, about midlife reinvention and how we're not done as we get older. And what I'd love to have you do is, first of all, tell folks what you do now, and then we can kind of backtrack and tell people how you got to what you're doing now and and what the whole journey's been. Yeah, um, right now and for in perpetuity, I am the founder of Writing from the Top of Your Head uh, workshops for writers and creatives. Um, I've done retreats. I do one-to-one coaching. Um, I have a membership called the Playhouse because we don't take ourselves too seriously as writers. Um, And I help blocked writers uh, tell the brave stories they were always meant to tell. 
And that's a vulnerable process. And I would say I've been through the fire myself and I've come out the other side. And uh, so pretty much writing from the top of your head is my journey. I take students and clients through the journey I went through of unwinding my academic expectations of being a writer, all of the mm. things I learned about what it is to be an artist and to be good. And, you know, our culture has so much overlaid on artists and so much perfectionism mm. uh, comes in at an early age. And I feel like part of my mission is to undo that kind of educational programming we've had about what it is to be an artist. Um, so yeah, I created a whole program around that. And then I decided, why don't I become a creativity coach as well? Because I love the creative process and I am stumped by it and I am bothered by it and I am curious about it. And so becoming a coach, particularly for creatives, has really opened my eyes, you know, not only to what it is to be a creative myself, but how creatives need tools and ways to work through all of the pitfalls, the fears that come up, you know, when we decide we want to create something beautiful. <laughs> um, we need help along the way. And I, I found that studying creativity coaching really opened my eyes to a whole new world. So I pass those two things along to my writers and creatives I work with. So. Yeah, man, oh man. I, you know, one of the things that I love on the about page of your website, you open up with saying, I'm just going to quote it here. If you're like me, you're exceptionally hard on yourself and your creations, and you feel vulnerable, sensitive, and ashamed when you write or share your writing, man. And, and yeah. you go on to talk about how you were a shy, sensitive kid and that you were writing, but you weren't sharing it. I mean, that is so powerful. Like what, what happened? What, what happened for you to be able to start sharing your writing? How did you overcome that? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, it took me many years. Um, I did, uh, you know, write when I was young, and I did get kudos for it. And sometimes those expectations will set a person up too for feeling afraid, like, well, the next story I write is not going to be as good. And, you know, yeah. um, I had a lot of perfectionism in my family. Like my sister was a national merit scholar, played rooms full of people in chess when she was eight. Like she wow. like, yeah. Oh my uh, God. <laughs> yeah. That's a hard thing to follow. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And here I was this quirky clowny, you know, ADHD kind of imperfect, funny kid who, you know, didn't have room for me in my family. There was a lot of fast talking, which you probably saw in my bio, like uh, my sister kind of 
dominated conversations and I couldn't really get a word in edgewise. So Mm -hmm. I started stepping back and sorry, Devorah, I'm sorry to criticize you. I'm not, but (laughs) you know, we all play our family roles. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it's, it's just who she was, right? She was doing her, that was her natural way of being very similar. Like my brother was able to, oh my goodness, he could, we get into a conversation and he can talk about like anything and sound like he knows exactly (laughs) quoting chapter and verse on things and all the stuff. And, uh, you know, and for, for years I would be like, well, geez, he must know. I'm, I don't know. Right. Right. (laughs) And sometimes they're actually wrong. Right. (laughs) Right. And yeah, I developed a real writer's eye because I was stepping back and observing Mm. a lot of things but I also inherited this belief that I wasn't smart enough like that was smart that Mm -hmm. was real smart Mm. and I wasn't smart enough and then you know part of my transformation around you know your question around like what happened that I could reclaim all these parts of myself is I, I decided and I realized I'm actually really smart. I'm smart in my own way. And that way needs to be expressed in the world fully. And mm-hmm. I went on a mission to reclaim it. And, you know, I pass this on to my students because I think so many of us feel this way, like we're not smart enough. And what I see when my students start feeling smart enough and believing in themselves is that their writing just becomes a voice, you know, it becomes an authority. And I think we all deserve that. And, uh, but I, I mean, I feel like, oh, I was going to say all these ideas. Um, (laughs) I read a Steve Jobs quote and I'm paraphrasing, but it's something like, when he realized he was just as smart as everyone else, that was when he really came into the world. And I was like, even Steve Jobs felt like he wasn't smart enough. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you said that. It's true. Like we look at other people, especially high achievers and compare ourselves to their to, to their end, to, to where they got to and without realizing that they had a road to get there and they've got their own, um, challenges on how they look at themselves. Right. Right. Right? So what did, can I ask you, what did it look like for you? Like what opened up that tap to, for you to, to step into, Hey, no, I am smart in my way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd been, uh, observing education since I was young, because I didn't fit into public school, the educational system I was put into, I felt like I wasn't mm, being utilized to my full potential. My mind was not able to show up. And um, there was a lot of mm, Well, there was a time in high school where I decided to start reading books on education, but alternative books on education, like John Dewey, A.S. Neal, Jonathan Kozal, um, Paolo Freire, um, people who looked at education in a different way. 
And I started seeing myself like, oh, if I had had that kind of education, maybe things would have been different. Um, but in terms of being a writer, like I would say in my 40s, I decided to start taking writing classes again. And <laughs> uh, I would leave class shaking or crying, mm. you know, hiding that, but you know, skulking out to my car afterwards, just in a kind of, you know, self-criticism attack, um, even if people weren't attacking me at all. Um, but also the structure of writing classes felt kind of like a an unsafe environment. Mm. So I and thought- it's hard to be creative in an, I would say impossible to be creative in an environment that is not safe. That is the truth. And that is everything I dedicate myself to. And I, I, I wondered why our educational environments felt so unsafe, especially as artists. Like I could tell you stories about how, you know, I watched when I was a professional dancer and when I was in school for dance, I watched the chairman of the department throw a student against the wall. And, you know, exactly. And oh. praising anorexia. And oh it was just an SHT shit show. You, you know you what I mean? You can say it. Yeah. I, it was a yeah. shit show. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I grew up as a dancer and, an, you know, a, a bass player in bands and everything but a writer. But all of those artistic educational environments were so unsafe for me. So, and it, as you said, for so many, and actually brain science has proven now that we cannot have our most creative brain online and be critiqued at the same time. It just shuts down. Yes. And I love that there's brain science around that. So long story short, I pulled myself out of writing classes. I was giving myself a good talking to like, no more of this, look what it's doing to you. And then I just started writing and writing in my own way and letting myself really be imperfect. Um, I started intentionally writing badly um, <laughs> because, and that's, mm. that's a writing prompt I give to my students a lot, you know, make it atrocious. It's actually something that people who are perfectionists have a really hard time with. And I had my own hard time with that. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen it in students, like it really pushes that inner critic further because it's just trying to keep them safe. But the freedom on the other side, like that permission, as you say, to be as big as and as bad as possible. Um, there's a, a video out there somewhere of a, a, an orchestra in the UK, it's called the Bad Orchestra. And it's just these normal people trying to learn an instrument, but they're purposely kind of being bad. And it's the most endearing. Oh my God. Like it's I actually, that out. I know it's so refreshing, like the material that can come out of that place because we're in a, you know, a culture that's addicted to perfection. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I think unwinding all of that is crucial and, yeah, you should check that out. Um. So, and I, I am going to check it out and I'll, I'll, I'll try to put a link to that in the show notes. 
So, so you started doing these writing exercises for yourself on your own. Were, did you, when did you start sharing? When did you, when did you take that leap to say, okay, I'm no longer just going to hang on to this and I'm, I'm going to put it in front of somebody. Cause that's yeah. like a whole next level thing, right? Yeah. That gives me chills when you say it, um, <laughs> because that is a huge transition from being, yeah. you know, this person clutching their soul close too close to themselves and being too afraid to like vulnerably, vulnerably share that. And um, so there are two parts to that question, that answer. Um, one is that I was living in Seattle at the time and I decided I would crawl back to a writing class, but it, it wasn't a writing class. It, I saw a sign on a cafe window that said Monday night writing group with Marilyn. Uh, it was in this musty bookstore cafe in Greenwood in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, I'll check it out once. It's free. It looks interesting. Her name's Marilyn. I like that name. So I started going to this Monday night group and it, it was this motley crew of, you know, Marilyn was in her 80s and she was a former English teacher. Um, and the rest of the people were older, probably 70s, 80s. And then there were younger people who were of all stripes. Like there were sometimes homeless people that would come in to the group and just hang out. Yeah. And um, all we did was Marilyn shared these really bizarre prompts that she had made up. Like they were almost nonsensical and they had some kind of magic in them that took me out of my thinking brain, like my ego and my thinking brain. And all we did was write on the prompts and then share with no feedback. We'd all just clap for each other and say, yay. And, uh, you know, I kept coming back Monday night after Monday night and something happened to me. I I know this sounds weird, but um, I felt basically the top of my head open to the to this point where all of this material started coming flowing into me that I had been blocking mm. and I just let it come through my pen I was like I don't care what I say where I go I'm not gonna plan I'm gonna enjoy this and actually it was a level of enjoyment that I'd never experienced in writing because I was trying so hard to be good mm. and um Emily Dickinson, she has a quote where she says, it should feel like the top of your head is open. That is poetry. Mm. And I was like, when I read that, it's like, Emily, you go. Cause uh, (laughs) I was on that amusement park ride. Like it was really like suddenly a whole different experience of creativity that I probably hadn't had since I was a child. Uh, You know how kids don't really care. They just create. Right. And so I was right. These wacky stories started coming through me and that became my book of short stories. I have a book of surreal short stories called somewhere in a town you never knew existed somewhere. And um, 
I'm going to have to go pick that up, Nina. I wish I'd had time before we talked. Oh my gosh. Thank you. There's a link on my website. It's a warning. It's a wacky book, but (laughs) I actually, when I wrote it, I also wrote badly in it purposely so I could experience publishing a book that was not perfect and that had literary mistakes in it. And if you read it, you might find some, but Uh, Like I changed first person to third, like I just did weird things, Um, but it it went on on purpose and it went on to be a finalist in the Indie Fab Book of the Year Awards for short stories. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Oh my gosh. My mind is blowing up (laughs) right now. And I will say that one of the things that I learned as, as an actor Late, later on into my career, because I, I too, I mean, it's that struggle with the perfection and what you've been trained to do and what should happen. But the thing is, is as an actor, if the, the best actors, what they do is they, they get up and they've done all the work and they, and they've, and it's all there and the choices have been made and it's, and then it, it's like, you have to let it go. And if you don't let all that preparation go, then you are in your head watching yourself as a performer. And there is no way that what you're doing can have real life to it and real breath to it. It has to be like, poof, you have, you have to let it go, which is yeah. so scary. It's like a tightrope right. walk, you know, it, yes. but, but you do feel like the top of your head opens up when you can access it, you know? Right. And uh, absolutely amazing. Yeah. And when you're not trying to control, like you have faith in your craft, you have faith in what you've learned. And then there comes a point where it's like, it's the moment that shines. It's being present that really shines. And it does take courage to let that go. And as you said, you, you find more uh, alive and interesting material when you're allowing yourself to let go. And it's across genres. It's in the acting, it's in dance, it's in music and dance and all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I I could talk to you all day. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I know. I I am, I am, I'm, I wanted to ask you, so you, so you published that book and and you got some kudos and you got some validation, right. From that book. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did that affect where you went next? Do you feel like it did? Did, did having some yeah. sort of validation change what you were doing or give you more permission to keep going down that road or? Yeah. Um, I feel like it's kind of a constant sort of trajectory of like, you put yourself out there, you take a risk, there's backlash, there's fear there's self-criticism, there's trying to keep yourself safe. Then there's that feeling of, oh my gosh, I shared my voice. And when you do that and it actually affects someone, it, it comes out of the closet. It completes this circle mm. that creativity is meant to complete. I, I don't, you know, I think some kinds of creativity, yes, we keep it to ourselves, but when we share, we have the potential to change hearts and minds and worlds and create a new narrative. And 
you know, in my own small way, I was giving permission to people who read my book to think and write in a different way and create in a different way. And a lot of uh, that book is also about climate change and it was put into the stories in a more subtle way. And I, I wrote it in 2014, 15. Mm-hmm. And like the bulk, of, like I published it then. And it wasn't, climate change wasn't in the dominant paradigm even then. And mm-hmm. so I felt like I was fighting like that voice wanting to come out. I had elephants talking and, um, you know, children speaking and fish, uh, needing a voice. And I felt like that, even that act of like sort of fighting against the dominant paradigm and experiencing in my own way, like the change that it created in other people. um, Yeah, really shifted something in me. And it's still a work in progress because it's scary. (laughs) <laughs> to put yourself out there, no matter, you know, absolutely. I am like, <laughs> I got chills. I've got chills. Well, it it's scary. an inside job, you know, it's, 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 even though people give you support, it still has to come from a place inside where, where you go, this is my work in the world. This is what I'm here to do. Mm-hmm. And if only one person likes it, that's enough, you know, and Um, you know, we're so used to going viral and doing really what the crowd is wanting us to do, or Mm -hmm. thinking that we have to do that. And going against that grain is, I guess, part of my late bloomer living, um, you know, commitment to myself that I'm going to just be me in the world. So um, that's, that's a trajectory there. I love that. I love that. Thank you. And so then when did you decide that you were then going to start coaching? Did that happen soon afterwards or yeah? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, Everything was shifting. This is my early fifties. And I think a lot was shifting for me in terms of just so much, so much uh, going on at that point in a woman's yeah, life, a, I believe. Yes, it's it is very a very potent time. <laughs> it's a, yeah, I love that. It is a very potent time. It is a yeah. very potent time. Oh my yeah. gosh. Tell me what that means for you. I've got my own sense of what that is, but yeah. what does that yeah. mean for you that it's a potent time? Yeah. Um, you know, I wish it was talked about more. And I love that you're talking about it in your podcast because you're doing a service to the silence around it because I felt like I was sort of swimming in such unknown territory, like physically and mentally. And, you know, the biological imperative was like going away. So I was no longer driven by certain things mm-hmm. and all of that energy kind of went to my other mission in my life and like rose up to my heart, you know, in, mm. and into the world. So um, I, again, like being a person who's shy, um, but a performer, like I have that dichotomy 
Mm -hmm. Um, This is going to sound funny, but I had a friend recommend a psychic to me. And I I don't like going to psychics because I don't like to be told anything. Mm -hmm. But um, this psychic was really cool. And she said, why aren't you teaching? Why aren't you teaching what you're doing? And you know, what you did for yourself. And I, I was like, oh, I can't teach. I'm not an expert. Like that was where I went with it. Like we all have to be. Oh my gosh, I feel you girl. <laughs> right? Yes. You know, and yes. it's, it's part of that being smartness. Mm. And, you know, we're taught that teachers are supposed to lecture in front of the big room and spout all their knowledge and look how smart I am. And <laughs> And like, I don't retain information like that, first of all, but I am very intuitive and I come from a whole different place when I talk about writing, you know, and, or art or creativity. And I wasn't giving myself credit for that. And this psychic was basically saying, again, you are smart enough, take that into the world, start with the little tiny group and it kind of blew my mind because of that whole expert programming. Um, and Paulo Freire, the uh, Brazilian educator, he talks about how in teaching, like people are not banks to be deposited into. Mm-hmm. They're actually, <laughs> they have enough within that to pull out what's within them is what is going to be real education. Oh my God, I'm going to cry. Oh my God. That's amazing. Yes. Right? Well, we are all, we have this potential within us that we just need to let it out. It is so, and I love, oh my gosh, what you said about like, you know, the biological imperative being over and all that energy being shifted into your heart and what you were going to produce from there. There, I think about, you know, I, we haven't said the word, but the word is menopause, right? There it is. Yes. And, and yes. there's, it is so fascinating to me that we know so little about it. Yeah. But, and, and it's fascinating that, that women lose that biological imperative, but here we are. Here we still are on this earth, you know, and what is left for us to do? There's, there's a reason for us to be here. There's, we have something within us and there's a power to be tapped into within each of us that male or female, I don't care. You know, um, I think about, I think about, you know, dementia, just to mention something else and seeing my, my husband's aunt, who was just, she was a Rhodes scholar. She was this bright, bright woman. And she ended up with dementia. And here she is living out the last decade of her life. And you're like, where, where is she? You know, but she's alive and, and there she is. And there's gotta be some, some, something, some reason for us all to, to be on the planet. Yes, yes. And I would venture to say even more so, like, I think because we're so focused on beauty and youth and uh, early blooming, (laughs) 
Yes. You know, uh-huh. 30 and, under 30 lists and all that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And I think other cultures, you know, they revere women of our age because we actually have wisdom now. Like I would say, I thought I knew what I was talking about when I was younger. And sometimes <laughs> I really did. I will give it to myself, of course. But the kind of wisdom that starts integrating into our bodies and our souls and our minds at this age, it's so important that we are given space in the world because what we are capable of doing at this age, I think is, I will say far greater than for myself, what I could have done when I was younger. And it's badass and it's, you know, and we lose some of that fear and we lose some of that programming. And I think for us to be reborn in this way is like, we are needed and we're important. And, you know, even as artists, like I work with a woman, I've worked for with her in my classes for quite a while and she's in her eighties and she has a second life because she is allowing herself to really come forward at this age, you know, and she could uh, be floundering right now mm-hmm. at that age. And mm-hmm. so could I, I could be floundering and we all could be floundering at this age because of what we're told. Um, yes. And oh yet- my gosh, the messaging is all around us. We've just, you know, we, and, and we, we ab- absorb it over time and then it becomes just a running diet, a running thing in the backs of our minds. And yeah, it, it requires like a, a vigorous reprogramming that's by choice, I think. Exactly. Yeah, by choice and by, you know, helping each other and by talking mm-hmm. about it like you do in your podcast, like we have to share the power of this time in our lives and we have to come into this synthesis again of who we're meant to be in the world that, you know, we take our whole life experience and now like it can become something greater and, um, you know, gosh, I was thinking of something that you said. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, here it is. It came. Um, Maybe you know this as an example, but when I was younger, I was in a dance company in San Francisco and it was called Contraband. Sarah Shelton Mann uh, was the director. And when she hit like 50, 60, she's now probably almost 80. Mm -hmm. Um, she's still choreographing. She's still dancing. She's still love. uh, She actually came into herself at around 50. And I don't know if you've seen it in other like film directors or theater directors, or there are plenty of writers who came into themselves at an older age. And I think that the work is uh, greater. I'll just put it out there not to compare, but what a time to be alive, you know, yeah, and, and we're to led choose. to believe that, that it's all like, if you haven't done it by the time you're tw- in your twenties or thirties, right. 
the 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 time the time is over and that the 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 decline of your mind has begun and that that there's you know the opportunity is past but it's just not true there are enough examples in the world of people who came into themselves later that yeah. you know grandma moses uh, an amazing story, you know, so a friend of mine sent me, sent me her story. And I was like, I had no idea, you know, I think she started her paintings in her eighties. I think so. Yeah. It, she's one of amazing, amazing, yeah. you know, yeah. and then prolific and, yeah. and everybody knows the name grandma Moses, like, yeah. but do you know why? Maybe not at this point, because you know, we're, we're removed from when she was, uh, when she was so well-known, but I mean, an amazing story. I'm going to have to put some link about her in the show notes too. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's there for us. It's there for us yeah. to choose to step into in our way. Like yeah. you, your sister was smart in a way and you were smart in another way. And right. it's, you know, we all have a gift. Yeah. We just have to be brave enough to let the light shine on it and let other people see it and share it. Right. Uh, yeah. And I, I would say I was what they call masking my gifts earlier on in my life, like kind of playing it safe a little bit. And, um, but also, you know, not feeling like I was good enough to mm -hmm. step into the things I was really interested in. So I think that's a journey too. Yeah. So absolutely. Oh my goodness. I have to say, so yeah. uh, you and I were talking earlier about, you know, the other day you, you posted a, a video on, on Instagram um, <laughs> that was just, I couldn't stop watching it. Um, I, what was, I think it ended up being seven minutes or something like that. Right. And seven I, whole minutes. I think yeah. it is. I think it is. Yeah. yeah. And I, I yeah. and I just kept watching it. And at first I was like, what, what is this? <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was, it just ended up being so funny and quirky and cute and unique. And it was you talking about, um, how you were afraid to be on camera and oh my gosh, I can so relate. And people might not believe me if they were to watch my, if they were to look at my Instagram feed currently, they would be like, you are not afraid to be on camera. But you know what? I totally, um, a year and a half ago, two years ago, com completely freaked out at the idea of, of putting myself out there in that way. So <laughs> I totally related to your, to your video with your little friends. And, and folks, she, so, so you, you were hiding behind a little dinosaur puppet head and a little shark head who were having a conversation. It was a very Mr. Rogers kind of presentation, you know? Well, <laughs> oh my God, there they are. <laughs> I'm not very good at aiming them at the camera, but That's there they are. This is, this is Doug here, Doug Dinosaur. Doug the Dinosaur. Yeah. Oh, and this is goodness. Millie, Millie the shark. <laughs> and she's so sweet. She smiles a lot. Oh. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, my, inst you know, thank you so much. I, again, like we all have these growth edges where, you know, we can't get over something. And for me, it has been like appearing on video on Instagram, <laughs> like um, 
you know, I've appeared on video other places, but for some reason, this whole world of like looking perfect, being perfect on Instagram was just creating a whole, you know, log jam for me. And I finally, I was going to do it. I was like, I'm going to do it. And sometimes that leaping off the bridge is not really the, the ticket. And to really be where you are, I was like, I was in a store and I saw Doug uh -huh. and I was like, oh my God, like he is so cool. He is and so I thought, cool. But okay. Yeah. So I'm totally at some point that I'm going to share the video. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Love it. My name is Doug. Doug. And <laughs> I'm Mally. <laughs> they both have different voices. And then I was messing up like. Doug would start talking like Millie and <laughs> Millie would start talking like Doug. And then I was like, oh, all right, I'll use that imperfection to make people laugh because I mean, it was the first take, like I improvised that whole thing. Oh my gosh. And yeah. And I, I, it allowed me to be where I'm at. And you know, when kids like you can't get a kid to talk but you can get them to talk through a puppet. Yes. Like I was like having to go back to my little inner child and going, I can say what I need to say through Doug, you know, or Millie. And uh -huh. it suddenly became like this very cathartic, playful uh, alternative to having to show up as perfect on camera. And it created a modeling for other people. I hope that I, uh, that's what I loved it. about it. And I will say this, that for me, I'm watching you do it. And that it was scarier to me, even though your face didn't appear, your authenticity was, was there in full bloom. And I think that does give other people permission, you know, and, and two, I, I, I know the call to do this. You're, you have a coaching business and you, yeah. you know, when you have a business, right, you've got to put yourself out there in ways that make you uncomfortable in order to, to show people who you are and make them aware of you and do and, and all that stuff. And it is yeah. such, that's its own discomfort and it, right? So much. Yeah. Becoming an entrepreneur, you know, when you're an artist, when like for me, my zone of genius is really like when I'm teaching, when I'm coaching, like I love that space. Like mm -hmm. there's so much ease for me there actually. And then becoming an entrepreneur and having to kind of mold myself into these spaces that actually don't make a lot of sense and are also like, I just have a really hard time selling and so like mm -hmm. wrapping my mind around like, oh my gosh, I help so many people. How do I talk about that in a way that's authentic? Um, you know, it's been a whole kind of spiritual journey in itself because, it is, of, right? yeah, <laughs> yes. you know, we, we spend so much time as entrepreneurs, like navigating like that space of like, what do we do on Fridays when we are doing the promotion. And, you know, it is about uh, sharing what we do with the world to help people. And, and I, I know that's true. And it's also like, wow, how do we navigate it in a way where, you know, Doug, Doug has room to show up and, 
you know, you be yourself. Wow. Just thank you for your insight and your courage. Thank you. Really appreciate that you took the time to sit down with me today. How can people find you? Or, 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 you know, I didn't even ask you one of my favorite (laughs) questions. Oh my goodness. I'm going to back up. You can do it. What are you excited about? Like what's coming up? Anything that, yeah, it it could be anything like, yeah. Um, you know, I think breaking through my own creative blocks is a continual process for me as an artist. And I've really felt like I've been kind of subsumed by this entrepreneurial life. Mm. And I'm finally feeling like my inner artist is going to scream and, you know, throw a building in the air if I don't give it more space. Mm -hmm. And, you know, part of that was coming forward with, you know, a million Doug. So I'm, I'm going to be releasing a lot more puppet videos on my Instagram. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But I also started doing stand-up comedy a year before the pandemic. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine anything more frightening. (laughs) Tell me about it. Why, why do I put myself in this position? It's not smart, but it's not, you know, like, uh, jumping out of a plane, but for me it is, but in a good way. Absolutely. Like jumping out of a plane. Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to, I'm, my mission is to start appearing on video because I can't like start, I can't do open mics anymore right now. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I'm going to start putting out comedy videos too, which is like really scary for me. Um, but I just can't hold that back anymore. It's just really needing to come out. So that on an artistic level, like I just feel a fire around that. So that's, what's coming up. Um, I'm so excited for you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so stay tuned for that. And then, yeah, I always have, um, I could check out my website for all the things that are going on. And why don't you go ahead and let us know the name of the website. And then of course I'll have it in the show notes as well. It's writingfromthetopofyourhead.com. And I will definitely have that linked in your Instagram as well. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Nina Hart as much as I did. And even more, I hope that you will give yourself the time and a safe space to explore your own creativity. You know, so many people I know say they aren't creative, but I believe creativity comes in unlimited forms. It's not always about writing, drawing, painting, or performing. I know you have creativity in you and an inner child hooligan just waiting to come out and play. If you're interested in exploring that essence within yourself and want to know more about Nina's coaching programs, I'll have that information for you in the show notes, along with links to some of the other things we talked about. Also, Nina generously invited Late Bloomer Living listeners to schedule a complimentary 30-minute creativity consult with her. So I'll be sure to include that link also in the show notes. Um, To get the skinny on all that, just go to latebloomerliving.com forward slash podcast and click on the link for episode 82. I want to thank you so much for sharing your time with me. 
I also want to give a special thank you to those of you who've taken the time to post a review or a rating. And hey, if you haven't had a chance to rate or review the podcast, can you take a quick second right now? If you're listening in the Apple Podcast app, you can just go to the show page for Late Bloomer Living. You'll see a list of episodes, and then you scroll down to the bottom of that page to find reviews and ratings. It's a nice big section there that you can see easily. And then you can tap the stars from one to five to rate the show. And then if you scroll down just a little bit more, you'll see a purple checkbox that says, write a review. I would love to know what you think. And if you have ideas for, for episodes and you know, it just really helps other people find the show. So thanks again for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.